Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. All right, Sharon, we're back at it again. Here we are. In the Windy City. Chicago. AANA Annual Congress. One more time. If you are not here, you are missing out. That's right. That's right. Everybody's here. (laughs) But you get to listen. And Lynn Maxey is here with (laughs) us today. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. Lynn is going to be talking about some wonderful topic today. I hope so. Yeah? I I think it's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's... I think it's important. It's it's interesting to me. You know, all the legal stuff is very interesting to me. Sometimes the clinical stuff, I, I don't get it all. But you know, <laughs> the, the legal and the business stuff, I, I'm with you. So, And we're going to be talking about medical legal implications in anesthesia. Yes. All right. So, Lynn, just get a little bit of background. You are an author. Yes. A speaker. Yes. You started your own business. How many books have you published now? I have four total, but I have multiple editions, so it's been eight okay. books. So you were an ICU nurse for 20-plus years and yes. then decided... To go to anesthesia school. Wow. Was it a good decision? <laughs> now it is. It, yes. In the long run, it was. it was. It was a pretty stressful event, being 45 years old with children and a husband, very it's confused tough. husband, mm. moving from Orlando, Florida, <laughs> up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to the, you know, it was a fantastic program. I learned things I didn't know, and a lot of things I didn't know, but it was fantastic. It was very stressful. Yeah. And now you've got your own company that does CE. I do. Tell us a little bit about that. Education Adventures for CRNAs. I just feel like there's so many brilliant CRNAs in this world. And I got kind of tired of trying to learn from other people. And that was fine, too. But I just wanted to give a opportunity for CRNAs. And I wanted to do it in beautiful places in the world. I love to travel and I love to teach. And if I can hang out and have a glass of wine with my good friends, there you go. All is well. Yeah. We were just in Melted Banff. it all together. We were just in Banff in Alberta, Canada. Yeah, yes, you two beautiful. were. I, for some reason, I got left off the agenda. I, I, I don't know what happened, but for hey, some listen, reason. I called. You never got back. <laughs> That's it. The, the uh, checks in the mail. Yeah, there you go. Now, you're going to be in Turks and Caicos. 
goes, Swan? We are November the 2nd through the 8th in just a couple of months. But then next September, we're going to Telluride, Colorado, when the aspen trees change, the third and fourth week of September. Oh, wow. And we're offering 36 hours of CEUs. My goodness. 10 wow. hours of ACLS, BLS, PALS, and then a six-hour ultrasound workshop with some awesome guys out of Boone, North Carolina, and then 20 hours of lecture. And wow. it's going to be fantastic, with lots of free time to go horseback riding through the Colorado Rockies. Wow. Wow. Sounds amazing. It Maybe sure does. my invite won't I'll be give lost you this a time, call. I'm not sure. But, um, so, Lynn, why is this topic today so important? I have done over 50 cases as an expert witness. I've done both plaintiff and defense cases, and looking through the minutiae of a case really taught me how important not only charting is, but what you chart and how you chart, and how important it is to paint a picture, because in five or ten years, or how many years it's going to be that you're going to be named in a case and have to come forward and testify to what you did, what you thought, anything like that, you're not going to remember this case. I can barely remember cases day to day because cases tend to run together. But if I can paint a picture of what's going on, communications that were given, who knows what, when, what was done to protect that patient, you can keep from being named in a case. And I think that that's the most important point is avoid being named in a case because once you're named, they can do whatever they want. They can settle, they can what, and your name is still on that case, and it makes it pretty vulnerable for you. Mm. So let's talk about closed claims. Talk a little bit about that and how we get that data and cases reviewed, et cetera. Closed claimed, it's fascinating because it's a review of all the past medical malpractice cases that have been filed against anesthesia providers, Mm -hmm. both anesthesiologists and CRNAs. And it's a concentrated set of data so that you can look at this information and look at what the claim was, what the injury is, and go back through the case and figure out what caused the injury to the patient. And sometimes there's not a culpable act, but other times there clearly were. And it's not just an action, but it's a lack of action. Whatever someone did or did not do to protect that patient because the defense attorneys will portray, and accurately so, a patient under anesthesia is as vulnerable as an infant. Mm -hmm. And so it's imperative that we see that and realize that we are the ones absolutely caring for that patient in every way, from beginning of surgery or pre-surgery, during surgery, and immediately after until you report off. Well, Well, you're talking about charting. I relate that to CYA, mm-hmm. and that is cover your assets. Uh-huh. You know, that's I mean, that, that comes well, from the finance true. guy. Yeah. I mean, it really is, right? It very much is. Because there's a liability like on the CRNA as well. I mean, very much so. Yeah. And it's not just, even though it is, and I get that, I want to protect my practice, I want to protect my license. But I also think that we take great care of the patient, but by charting what we're doing, that it tells that story. We're painting a picture mm-hmm. of 
the care that we give to our patients. So yes, it is CYA, but it's also, I want you to know that I was paying attention. Right, right. You weren't getting plane tickets on your phone during the case. Right. Yeah. Which Texting. brings up a whole host of other issues, right? Yes. Yeah. It does. So a patient is having surgery and has now something's occurred, filed a lawsuit. They used to just sue the surgeon, and I hear that's not the case many times anymore. They just take everybody down? Well, it's about who has control. So at one time, what was considered the captain of the ship doctrine was that the surgeon was thought to be in control of every player, every person, every caregiver in the room. But that's really not true. The surgeon is doing their thing. Half the time, they're not even in the room when the patient is positioned and things are happening. So each person involved in the patient's care is now considered to be in control of their own actions, their own profession, and now they are absolutely liable and can be individually named in a lawsuit. So it's not just the surgeon, even though they may also be named, but it can be the circulator, it can be the scrub tech, it can be anesthesia, anybody that's involved in the care of that patient. We talk a lot about Captain of the Ship, and we just did a podcast with Mark Silverman, AANA Council, and he and I have had these discussions for several years, and there are still physicians who believe in the Captain of the Ship doctrine and a lot of policymakers that believe in it, but just like you said, it has fallen by the wayside. It is about control, and we're all in control of our own profession and our own actions. Absolutely. So I absolutely agree with you on that. Lynn, where are most of these cases tried at? Uh, medical malpractice in civil court okay i think there's been some famous cases or really egregious cases that end up going into more of a federal court but most of them are civil court court. and what are usually the reasons for surgical or anesthesia related medical lawsuits there are many many cases and as we all know you can be sued for anything it doesn't have to be you know, a specific thing. But everything from the wrong drug given to the wrong drug dose given, eye injury, recall, awareness under general anesthesia. One of the cases that I read about was a Baptist minister who had never had any psychological problems at all, had a surgery. Nobody spoke to him about it afterwards, but they found that the inhaled anesthetic had been off for a majority of the case, and he had been paralyzed. And they never told him about it, and afterwards he kept having these horrible nightmares. And within two weeks he had committed suicide because he thought he was losing his mind. And then the family went and found out what had happened, and you know, we kind of think, oh, come on, that's not that big of whatever. <laughs> I don't know what people think, but I can't imagine being paralyzed and having a huge abdominal surgery. So a lot of these things may sound benign, right. but they can certainly be huge, especially when they're aimed at you. Even CVP placement, when you're not using ultrasound and you accidentally poke on the carotid artery, misuse or failure of equipment, burns, cautery, and lasers that we use in the operating room can cause terrible fires. But the number one reason that we are sued is for a patient's death. After that, it's nerve damage, and the number one nerve that is injured in the operating room is the ulnar nerve. 
and you can position a patient perfectly and still get ulnar nerve damage. And so that's why I think it's exceedingly important, especially with these frail patients who come in and they're contracted or they have difficulty laying their arm out flat, that you literally write out that the patient was padded and protected and the arm was secured to the arm board and they had egg crate under the distal part of their wrist to keep their arm bent, those kinds of things. Because even perfectly, they can have problems. And the third number one reason why we get sued is brain damage. And the number one reason death and the number three reason brain damage are primarily caused by either respiratory or cardiovascular events. Respiratory events are the single most, the largest class serious injury claim that they have. So if you're not oxygenating your patient or you're not monitoring that oxygen level or their end tidal CO2 or the difficulties that they're having, um, and you don't catch that, that's what turns into the big dollar problems right? and the lawsuits. So what are the four elements of medical malpractice case that must be present for negligence to be proven? So there has to be a duty, okay. a relationship, a care relationship between the patient and the, either the CRNA or the anesthesiologist. And then there's a breach of duty. Something happens where, and I'll just say CRNA to make it easier, sure. that a CRNA does not either take care of the patient properly or does not do the proper thing. And then there is the causation, the problem between the event and the injury. What's the bridge? There's a case where a young man came in, was an active, healthy athlete, came in and had a laparoscopic appendectomy. After surgery, he had nerve damage in his shoulder, which eventually led to his arm not being able to be used. Mm -hmm. Well, there's different concepts in law with IPSA, res loquitur, and it's the thing speaks for itself. I mean, a normal consequence of having a lap apne is not having a shoulder injury. Now, the defense attorney may try to say, oh, this guy was injured before, this didn't happen during surgery, but the plaintiffs will say, well, that's certainly not a normal response to a lap apne. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a bridge between a lack of of action, a lack of proper action, which is a lack of acting in the standard of care and the injury itself. And that's the causation. The causation. So that's the most important it piece is. of this puzzle. So tell us some specific cases. You have told us that you've done a lot of legal consulting work, and I'm sure that you have run across cases that maybe have changed your practice. And I'll give you an example of this because we do a lot of closed claims within the AANA, and I have seen some of those cases where people were sued. One of them, for instance, was uh, GI, and somebody got a corneal burn because, you know, sometimes they'll kind of upchuck a little bit of bile. It might be on the pillow, and the eye was open because they couldn't control their corneal reflexes, and they got a... Burn the cornea, ow. A bile burn of their eye. And I'm thinking, you know, I know that could happen. I'm very cognizant of it now because I've read about that case. So whenever patients do that, I flip their pillow. (laughs) (laughs) 
so the bile's not up next to their face, which is disgusting on a whole other level. Um, but any particular cases that you recall that you'd like to share with us that might be learning things for us? Well, there were several. One of them was one that I actually reviewed, and it was a CRNA taking care of a, I believe that the child was six or seven years old. The only history this child had was of mild asthma, but he was coming in for dental restoration, oh my, we do a which lot is a huge frustration for me because I'm like, how hard is it for you as a parent to just brush your teeth of your children? But this child had horrible teeth, and they were bringing him in, and he was, of course, nasally intubated. Mm -hmm. And in this case, they pulled off all the monitors, including the pulse ox monitor. And then when the child was not really waking up post-op, he became very diaphoretic. And the CRNA asked the circulator, and this was charted, to go get a fan to blow it over the child who was not being actively monitored by a pulse ox. And of course, the child suffered a laryngospasm, had hemorrhagic changes in his lungs on autopsy. You know, they had coded this child. I just, what a, what a ridiculous thing. So, and I've even had an adult in a case who big bull neck big bull jaw mm-hmm. and i'd extubated him he was doing fine but then you turn around you're closing out the pixis and you're closing out your chart and i didn't have the pulse ox on him you know i was getting ready to take him to pack you and all of a sudden it was like i turned around and he wasn't breathing oh and crap so now to this day when i take a patient back whether i've sedated them or not the pulse ox is the first thing i put on and it's the very last monitor i take off because it tells me they have a pulse and it tells me if they're breathing or not. Now, it may take a couple more seconds than an end tidal CO2 right. might tell me, but it certainly gives me a lot of information while I'm locking up my pixis and closing up my chart. And that's the last thing that I take off, and then I'm watching them while I take them to pack you. So that was one case. There have been many other. There was a famous actor on Saturday Night Live who was having chest pain, a young man having chest pain and they found out he had occlusion of his coronary arteries took him in and did a coronary artery bypass with a full sternotomy and then postoperatively kept having chest pain and they went back in and found out that they had bypassed the wrong coronary arteries so you think that you're rich you're famous you've got the best choice of medical care surgical care in the world people can still really mess up and diligent, thoughtful, conscious care. Nobody thinks they're going to hurt somebody well, when they're driving into work yeah, in the morning. Exactly. Nobody thinks that. Nobody. Oh, today. Today is going to be. You know, they're like, I'm no. in a bad mood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're exactly right. And today, with all the pressures, production pressure is unbelievable. It. it I'm doing 25 cases a day in the GI clinic sometimes. And I mean, you are turning and burning all day long. And it can be exhausting. Well, I had this happened to me. I always tell my mistakes and I tell them to the students. And I had a doc come to me one day and said, I've seen the next patient. She's young. And we're doing this lap coli. She's obese, but she's got, you know, she's okay. She can open her mouth pretty well. And I went out, and it was a young woman, and she had a friend in the room, and neither one of them seemed like they were in a very good mood, kind of had an attitude. 
And so instead of having her sit up and tilt her head back and really checking the thyromental distance and making her open her mouth in the proper way, bite her upper lip, all the things we need to do, because she was just sort of irritated and angry anyway, I did this thing where I bent over and I go, okay, open your mouth for me. And, you know, what a ridiculous thing to do. Anyway, she'd had a cervical fusion. Right. And I get her in the room and she's got huge breasts and a huge belly and I've got her flat and everything's kind of pushing up on her neck and I cannot extend her head one iota. Oh my. So I always make them sit up and (laughs) tilt their head back and bite their upper lip. There's I don't care what mood you're in. Okay. Right. Sit up. Sit up. We need I need to check this. And and just being careful and being thoughtful and not letting people rush me because I took the doc's word that her airway was okay and I didn't go through the full check and and I learned a lot (laughs) (laughs) we learned from our mistakes but our mistakes like I had a really bad day one time a really bad day and it wasn't just one time well I've had many bad days (laughs) this this wasn't even my mistakes or my thing they were suffering patients around me just all day long it was just one of those days and I went home and wept and just cried and my husband's holding me and everything and I finally finished and I've told him the whole story and he said I got a paper cut today (laughs) so when you say we learn from our mistakes absolutely and i've learned more from my mistakes than i ever did my wins yeah right and so but oh my gosh people do not really understand what it is to be the caregiver in the room i mean you are it and you may have backup but you are it and it's imperative to be focused and to take care and to be mindful all the time. We have many, many vials that look alike, many Mm -hmm. of them. Some of them are cardiac meds that look like anti-nausea meds. The tops are the same color or close to it. And half the time we give anesthesia in the dark and we're setting up for our next case literally in the dark and I'm trying to hold the vial up with the light of the Pixis machine behind me so that I can get you know an accurate you know pulling the fluid out of the vial it's ridiculous check the vials check your syringe check everything be mindful be focused well tangentially they say that the reason why we are not good partners in relationships is because we have to be perfect in what we do and we can't leave that piece at work sometimes and Sharon Pierce would love it if you were perfect <laughs> <laughs> but it also makes us uh, where <sighs> you go pick up your dry cleaning and they've messed it up and you really get upset you have an because right. I'm not allowed to mess up why are you allowed to mess right. up at your job right. and it makes us not great people sometimes and sometimes i have to back up and and think about that am i the only one that has to do that <laughs> I think don't so. look the at me got like quiet here, you know. y'all don't look at me like it's that awkward situations here awkward <laughs> as my kids say. Awkward. so lynn all these cases that you've been involved with as an expert witness and you know what type of 
money are involved in these cases? I mean, you know, what's the largest uh, kind of range? Just because I think, you know, most CRNAs probably have never dealt with this, but um, it might be good for them to know kind of the money side of this. One of the studies that I read, and this has been several years ago, but I think the lowest was $34 and the highest was $67 million. Wow. Mm-hmm. $34? Yeah. Jeez. Why even bother for thirty? One flipper on your denture went out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, sixty-seven million. How'd you like to get that? Well, I'm sure somebody had to die for that, for a sixty-seven million dollar. But still, think about that as a practitioner. Oh, you mean from that end? Yes, absolutely. Well, um, one of the cases we talked about, there was a hospital in the Northeast who performed brain surgery on the wrong side of the brain on three different patients and what was so appalling is after the second one on the wrong side state oversight came in and they changed all these policies and then the third one happened but that's why we do timeouts right and patients get so irritated yes they do but i tell them i say listen you know i go could you tell me your name and they go yeah mickey mouse and i'm like mm-hmm. oh you're here for the sex change operation I'm so <laughs> and then they're like oh no it's bob smith and i go listen this is for your safety you're new to us we're trying to confirm because each one of us has to take care of you yeah you know, this is about your safety and operating on the thing you think we're supposed to be operating on. Yeah. That's true. They get very obedient when I... <laughs> when you say the sex change got their attention. For yes. men. They're like, oh. Oh, we're cutting things off today. We're not sure which one. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, well, Lynn, this has been a wealth of information. And anything you want to conclude on that you think maybe our listeners should know as kind of a, a parting shot? I think people worry about charting too much. The argument is in a lot of trials that I was so busy taking care of the patient, I didn't have time to chart. And they will argue that. But at the same time, when you're standing up in the testimony box in a court of law and you're having to raise your right hand and swear that you're going to tell the truth, how happy will you be that you wrote down everything that you did to protect that patient? Because we do give great care, but we need to paint that picture in document form so that we can hopefully never be named in a lawsuit. Yeah. You either paint it or somebody will paint it for you. If exactly you. right. Yeah. That's good. That's I think you're going to steal that line, yep. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, you're Thank welcome. you so you're much. Welcome. I, I add some value every once in a while. So. <laughs> Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. Lynn, thank you so much. You're for so this. welcome. This Thank you for having wonderful. me. Absolutely. And we'll have you again. Well, we need to have her do her comedy act. You know, she was in the talent show for the foundation, and Kenan Thompson was emceeing from Saturday Night Live, whose mom is a CRNA, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. that, But Kenan was emceeing the event, the talent show, and he told Lynn, after she did her stand-up comedy act, that she needed to quit her day job. Wow. 
I was like, but I haven't heard from him. <laughs> That's kind of like my uh, my invite to Banff, you know? I mean, kind of the same thing, Lynn. I'm sorry. Checks in the mail. In Listen, the mail. that video's on YouTube. I know. <laughs> I watch it every once in a while when I need a good laugh. Oh, my God. You were there that night. We I was there that I night. Was nervous. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review if it's positive. If not, don't leave anything at all. And please share our episodes on social media so we can help get the word out. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry. Or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support.